This morning we are finishing up our superhero series. It's been a, it's been a fun series. It's been a favorite series or one of my favorite series. I get excited about uh, uh, seeing people discover their calling, discover what, what they're supposed to do in life and what God has in store for them. And this is what this series is all about. And we're going through this entire year from September to August and, and the school year because we know, uh, anybody with kids, we know that who cares that January is starts off the year. The year really starts in September. Uh, but uh, but we, we, we've been looking at this entire year, the characteristics of God, and the characteristic of God that we're looking at right now is the characteristic of that God saves, that God redeems, that God frees people from the slavery of sin. And we're looking at that through the story of Exodus. And we name this superhero because while God is a superhero, God is the one that saved throughout the entire scriptures. And today we see that he saves by a superhero with flesh on. A superhero with flesh on. And he made Moses into a superhero. And we've, this has been a five-week series. We started with the making of a superhero and that, that the superhero has certain ingredients, and, 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 but, but, but ingredients that are mixed together, all that is is, is is batter. You need a catalyst. You need heat in order to make that into a cake. And for a superhero, that heat is a calling. And we looked at that the second week. And then we see that to any good superhero, there's actually a death. There's actually a time that the superhero deals with this call and struggles with his call. And we see the same thing in Moses' life. But then we see a resurrection. We see a resurrection stronger than what it was before. And last week, Phil, uh, Phil preached, and he did a good job about the battle of a superhero. And in the story of Moses, that was the plagues. But we don't battle against people. We battle against things we don't see. We battle against, against what, what we were calling functional saviors, things that we go to that we think is going to save us, we think is going to better our life, but actually they're not functional saviors at all. They're quite dysfunctional saviors. And they lead us down a path that just messes up our life and wrecks our life. And that that's the battle that we're uh, waging in our own life, but that's the battle that we're waging for other people on, the, uh, on behalf of other people people. And last week we saw uh, the battle end with the death of the firstborn of Egypt and the concept of the Passover, that the Israelites were to kill the firstborn lamb and, and, and spread its, its blood over, over the doorposts and the angel of death was going to pass over their house and, 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 and that there was great wailing in Egypt because there wasn't a single household that didn't have somebody die in it. And Pharaoh finally said, go get out of here. And we saw the, 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 the battle of the functional Savior. And that the Pharaoh, the one that said that he balanced all creation, finally gave in. But to any good superhero epic, to any good story, the battle that we think is the final battle, we think that grew and his minions defeated El Macho finally. That's not the end of the story. To any good story, that's not the end of the story. There's still a final triumph still to come. There's the chicken that wants to get revenge. 
There's something that, that where the hero, who we think is the hero, is going to end up backed into a corner that we think that there is absolutely no hope. The promised land, the ideal future, isn't going to happen because the enemy has come back and backed him into a corner. And it leaves us wondering, will there be triumph? Will there be finally triumph? Will we be able to get to the ideal future? And this is vital. This is important because in church the last 50, 60, 100 years, we've left, we've left people thinking that salvation was the final battle. And we see an exodus from the church because we've left people thinking that salvation is the final battle. When it's not. When it's not. So how do we lead people to be able to finally triumph? How do we lead people to find triumph? We're going to take a look at the, the finish of the, of the Exodus story. Not necessarily the finish of Exodus, but the finish of the Exodus story and see how we can lead people into their final triumph in life. We're going to start in Exodus 12, and you can follow along in a hardbound Bible. We're going to throw the verses up on the screen, or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can, you can uh, follow along there. We, we put all the uh, verses together in the Bible app, and I'd encourage you to download that if you, if you haven't already. Here to serve, no spaces, is our uh, passcode. We're going to start in Exodus 12, verse 2, and this is actually, it's always been a throwaway verse for me. You know, one of those verses you just read and you just kind of go over and it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. But God had me stop at this verse as I was preparing for this sermon. Stop at this verse and, and there's something specific that he wanted to say. And How do we triumph? How do we lead people in triumph? And, 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 and this is the verse he had me stop on. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. And probably for most of you, read that verse and go, yeah, that is a throwaway verse. Like, what, what's the point of that? Here's what God's saying to his people. This is when he was given the instructions to the, about the Passover and how to eat the Passover meal and what's going to happen because of the Passover meal. He said, he said, look, I am going to save you. And I'm going to change things so much. I'm going to change things so much. I'm going to do this. We are going to start the calendar over. I mean, that's a big deal. If we start the calendar over, that's a big deal. And God's like, I'm going to start your life over. I'm going to save you in such a way that I'm going to completely start your life over. And isn't that what salvation is still? God is readjusting your calendar. In J John 3, Jesus called that a rebirth. You're reborn. He's like, I'm going to start the calendar over for you and for your life. But, God's also saying that salvation is just the start. It's not the final destination. Because he goes on to explain to them, hey, 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 guys, 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 guys. Eat this meal with your clothes on. Eat this meal with your sandals on. Eat this meal with your, with your staff ready. Because when Pharaoh says go, you're going to get on up out of here because you don't want to stick around anymore. This is, a, this is a fresh start, but it's not the final destination. 
You need to be ready to travel. It's kind of funny that he had to tell them that they needed to eat with their clothes on, isn't it? Like, hey, fellas, no wife beater and boxers at the dinner table, okay? You're going to have to get your clothes on and be ready to go because you're not going to want to get out there and, and, and leave not dressed. Be ready to go because this is going to be a fresh start, but it's not the final destination. And for so long, for so long, we, we tell people, oh, you just pray this prayer. And then they pray the prayer, and they're saved from hell. And then we tell them, what do we tell them? We tell them, hey, sit in this pew, sit in this chair for the next 50, 60, 70 years, and just wait to die. Because one day you'll get, go to heaven. And we use salvation as the final destination, but it's only the fresh start, not the final destination. God wants to tell us, get your clothes on. We got somewhere to go. Y'all got to get on up out of here. It's not about sitting in church. It's about living a journey and living a life. And let me tell you, the new next generation wants a mission. They want a final destination, but they want a mission to get there. That's why they're flooding the church and exodus and leaving the church. Exodusing the church. Does it work? It does now. <laughs> because all we tell them is sit in a pew, and they're like, ah, that's too boring for me. But it was never meant to be that way. Salvation is a fresh start, and new energy comes with a fresh start, and we need that energy to go on this destination. We were never meant to sit in a pew. It's good for training, but it's bad to live our life that way. heard a story this week of a little baby that was left in the car seat for eight days. When we strap ourselves up in a car seat, spiritually, bad things will happen. We'll atrophy. We'll poop all over ourselves. And we'll die. Let me, tell, let me ask you, have you had a fresh start? Have you had a fresh start? Have you had a fresh start? With any fresh start comes a brand new energy. It's exciting. It's new. It's fresh. But what do we do with that energy? Heading over to chapter 13 now. 13:17. When Pharaoh... When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with the battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left G Egypt like an army ready for battle. To me, this is funny. And, and, and the translation I use, the New Living Translation, doesn't really capture this, but, but other translations capture this, that, that, they, that, that, that it says that the Israelites, man, they were dressed for war. 
I just imagine, I just imagine some of the old Looney Tune ca- cartoons with the two dogs, the little dog, the little dog and Spike, and the little dog's like, Man, Spike, we really got the cat, Spike, we really got the cat, Spike, we're going to get another cat, Spike, can we go get another cat, Spike, what are we going to do today, Spike, ah, come on, Spike, I just imagine the Israelites kind of li- like that with God, oh man, we really got him, God, we really got him, that was pretty cool, God, we really got him, are we going to get anybody else, God, are we going to get anybody else, God, I've got my armor on, God, I'm ready to go, God, is there going to be a war, God? And instead of dismissing the Israelites, instead of, ah, the Israelites, or telling them to take their armor off, God tells Moses, they've got a lot of energy. That's pretty cool. Let's take them this way instead of the straight way because those Philistines, you know, the Goliath Philistines that we hear about later, the big, bad, evil, wicked Philistines, they're not ready for them quite yet. So let's go with some small wins first. I'm going to use that energy, but I'm going to use it wisely. I'm going to use the new energy, but we're going to use it wisely. When somebody gets saved, they're going to have a lot of energy. D.L. Moody, a, a guy who, who was an evangelist, a revivalist around, around the Civil War and afterwards, he said, every new Christian should be good for 12 new Christians with the energy and the people that they have around them. But we've got to use it wisely. Listen, I've heard this sermon preached before. When you become saved, lose all the friends that you had. Bad idea. Who else can save those people? Who else is better equipped? Who else is better equipped to save the people that you're already around than you? Scripture never says lose your friends. In fact, if that's what would have happened, Jesus would have told Matthew, hey, 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 no, 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 no. Don't throw that party. I'm not coming. You're supposed to leave your buddies. What did Jesus do? He showed up at the party and let Matthew introduce him to his buddies. But we've got to do it wisely. Don't send the partier back to the rave. Don't send the prostitute back to the pimp. Don't send the alcoholic back to the bar. Don't send the one that gets into dysfunctional relationships back to the ex. Use new energy, but use it wisely. The new believers need a wingman. Just a different sort of one. Need a wingman. Somebody to stand beside them and help them and guide them and say, I want you to reach into your friend's life and I'm going to be here to help you. Just do it over coffee or do it over lunch or do it over a dinner. Use the new energy. There's a student ministry, I believe it's still to be true. I didn't want the rough edges to go off of a new believer because they're the only ones that could reach into their circle of friends. But we've got to do it wisely. We've got to stand beside them and be their wingman in order to reach into their friend's life. Because right now, Right now, that that fresh salvation, that new salvation is like the eye of a hurricane. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. But there's something brewing. There's something coming. 
and that fresh energy is going to wear away. Many of you know what I'm talking about, right? That new belief is going to wear out. One of the things about how I saved at 10 or prayed the prayer at 10 and, and stuff, and unfortunately, I lacked that fresh energy. I lacked it. Maybe you some of you recognize what I'm talking about as well. We've got to capture that. We've got to recapture that. And what do we need when the energy runs out? Exodus 13, 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. Joseph knew that God was going to rescue them from the land. Uh, at, at, you know, before they even needed to be rescued, he knew that they needed to be rescued. And he said uh, to his people, hey, save my bones and take them with you to bury me in the land that, 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 that God's going to give you. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. We emphasize God's presence. We tell them God is with you. 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 To the Israelites, God was with them with a the cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He didn't say, hey, I rescued you from Egypt. See ya. See you in the land. You figure it out from here. I'm, I'm going to go on ahead of you. I'll meet you there. You figure it out yourself. He didn't do that. He left his presence with them. He went ahead of them so that any given point in the day, they could look up and go, there's God right there. He's with us. He's leading us. The memory verse that we have that's on the cards uh, for, <clears throat> for this series is intensely personal. I have heard your cries. I have seen your oppression. I'm aware of what's going on. I have come down to rescue you. I will lead you. You can't lead anybody if you're not with them. And God stays with them. And we remind new believers. There, you may feel it right now, but there's going to come a day you're going to need this reminder. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. And what happens every time you tell somebody God is with you? You remember that God is with you. And that's a reminder that we need every day, every hour, every minute. That God is with us. And how amazing is that? That God doesn't leave us and go, congratulations, you're saved. Meet you in heaven. But that's how we treat it, right? We don't need God's presence sitting in a pew. We can sit on our backside by ourselves, right? I don't need help doing that. Going to do it pretty much all this day. I need help if I've actually got a mission. If I've actually got something that God wants me to do, that's when I need help. That's when I need God's presence. That's when I need Him with me, is when something bigger than myself has to happen. We have to emphasize God's presence. Because the newness where we're out, the feeling where we're off, we have to emphasize that God is with us all the time, no matter if we feel like He is or not. Because the storm's brewing, right? We know that the eye of the storm 
is a false eye. It's great. It's nice. It gives a breather. But, there's a, but then there's something coming. Exodus 14. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Ordered the Israelites to turn back and camp by that place. Be, be between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Sevan. Then Pharaoh would think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. Now, <clears throat> this is kind of fascinating. God is actually just kind of uh, moving the Israelites around to make it look like they're dazed and confused so that the, uh, the, the Egyptian outpost out in the wilderness will report back to Pharaoh and go, they're just dazed and confused. They don't know what's going on. They don't know where to go. They got out of here. and It's kind of funny. They're just kind of, they're just kind of bouncing around and wandering around everywhere. And then Pharaoh, the grieving wore off, the emotion wore off, and obviously he didn't ask his wife for advice. He ended up saying, so the Israelites camped there as told. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves go free? I've, left all, I've let all my free labor go. Those of you that have had kids leave the house know what that felt like, right? I've let all my free labor go. What have I done? The emotion, the grieving has worn off. He obviously didn't ask his wife because his wife would have gone, leave them alone. I don't want to leave another child, lose another child. So what does he do? He mans up, right? So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with his commander. The Lord handed the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. That's funny. I just recognized that a couple of days ago, so I, didn't, I wasn't able to go back and really study what that meant. Like fists raised with defiance? Did they have one finger up while they did it? Or, you know, what? Or, you know, hey, God's number one? What finger were you thinking about? Come on. <laughs> we're out of here. <laughs> What'd you do? The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, the charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were encamped beside the shore near that place across from the other place. We emphasize God's presence because the enemy's coming. The enemy's coming back. Functional saviors, functional gods don't give up that easily. They're coming back. This is where we really, really, really let people down. What happens is that they, they sit in a pew and life happens and sin comes back and their functional gods come back and they have questions and they have doubts and they have fears. They look around and everybody else doesn't look like they're struggling with this. So there must be something wrong with me. It must not have taken. It must not have been real. It must not have done what I thought it did. And then they slowly fade away because the enemy came back for them. Buddy showed up the keg. 
The ex came back, the hot ex came back. Party invite came across. The computer screams out, Hey, you all alone? You can look at whatever you want. Nobody will know. Can we be real for a moment? Like I've heard this sermon preached too. When you get saved, all the desire will leave you. We wouldn't sin if it wasn't fun for a period of time, now would we? Porn wouldn't be appealing if there wasn't something appealing about it. Sex wouldn't be appealing if there wasn't something appealing about it. Addictions wouldn't be appealing if there wasn't something appealing about it. And the enemy comes back and we begin to wonder, am I crazy for doing this? Am I crazy for getting saved? Am I crazy for going to church? Come on, let's be real. Let's don't play a game. Let's don't dress it up and look all spiritual because life is real and our heart is real and things happen. And we wonder. The Israelites wondered. They went up to Moses and said, what did you do leading us out of Egypt? Did you just want to kill us out here in the desert? Sure, we had to work hard, but we had all the food that we wanted. We didn't have some crazy lunatic Pharaoh breathing down our neck. We didn't, have, we didn't have the threat of drowning if we stepped forward. Moses, why did you do this? Are you crazy? We're crazy. There's going to be a time and we'll feel crazy. Look, this is a safe people. We all feel crazy from time to time. We all feel dumb from time to time. We all wonder why we came out of the life. I mean, come on. Why? The enemy will come back. The functional Savior will come back. And it'll be more fierce than the time before. And we'll wonder why we ever left to begin with. And that's when, that's when they've got to have somebody standing right next to them, preparing them and guiding them, saying, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. Your functional Savior, it will come back. And I will be right here with you when you feel crazy for leaving it. Because guess what? I felt crazy one day for leaving mine. You're not alone. You haven't felt anything that nobody else hasn't felt. I hope I said that right. You get the point. Too many double negatives, triple 14 negatives in there. And I'll be here. You can't tell me anything that I haven't experienced before. What do we do? What do we do when the enemy comes for us? And we were between 
a crazy Pharaoh, a crazy functional God, and to see that we can't get past. People were complaining to Moses, thought that he wanted to kill him. Moses is like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. God is good, God is good, God is good. I think God is good, God is good, God is good. He'll, he'll lead us out of there, I think. Yeah. Moses is trying to talk him off the ledge of the cliff. In 1415, God shows up, talks to Moses. What did he say? Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. When the, when, when, the enemy comes back, we got to keep moving forward. Now, in this moment, in this moment, I don't know what was going through Moses' mind. But if I were Moses, this is what is going through my mind. Get moving where? Have you not noticed that if we move this way, we drown? If we get move this way, we get speared? Which option would you like, God? Get moving now, God didn't pause in order for Moses to, to open his mouth. So God kept going and said, get moving, take your staff, walk out to the sea, raise your hand over the sea, I'm going to part the waters, I'm going to, I'm going to dry the ground, you're going to walk across on dry ground. Now, Moses often would go back to the people of Israel and say, this is what God said. He didn't this time. I think that's hilarious. They thought he wanted to kill them. They probably wanted to kill him. And he's probably like, I ain't going to tell him. They'll tell them this plan. I'm just going to go do it. They're going to think this is crazy and nuts and, 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 and that I just want to kill. I just really do want to kill him. Keep. Moving forward. When that functional God, functional Savior comes back, keep moving forward towards God, towards the ideal future. When you think you can't get out of something, God's always made a way to get out of something. When he comes back, when she comes back, when the keg comes back, when the computer screams out, when tax return says, you can fudge right here. Keep moving forward to God's ideal future. Because he will part the Red Sea. He will part what we think will drown us. And this is where we as people who have already experienced triumph, this is where we've got to stand by somebody and tell them, look, when the functional God shows up, you call me. Doesn't matter when, doesn't matter what time, you call me. I am here to help the Red Sea part. The Israelites needed Moses. They needed a superhero with flesh on. Did Moses or God part the Red Sea? Duh. But they needed 
somebody with flesh on. And you can be that somebody with flesh on. When we were up in Baldwinsville, we saw a teenager. And he, talk about rough around the edges. He was, his, his rough edges were rough. And, and, and anger problems, I mean, just name it. And uh, he was saved, pretty crazy, wild story, but he was saved and, and uh, started engaging with his life. And they told him, call me. And, and he did, like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Sometime it, he called me. I'm like, hey, hello. You know, and, 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 and he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I don't know who it was. I didn't really care. But over the phone, helped him keep moving forward. And we saw him keep moving forward forward a step at a time he fell down just like we all do but what happens even when we fall down under pressure we keep moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward and we be there for people who need to keep moving forward God wants us to triumph over the functional saviors in our life. God makes us triumph over the functional saviors in our life. God gives us the power and the strength to triumph over the functional saviors in our life. He did it for the Israelites. They walked across. They looked back. Here comes Pharaoh and his minions and the dam broke. And the world superpower just lost their army. And they celebrate. They were excited. Moses, I knew we would do it all the time. Like, yeah, right. And here's how the New Testament puts it. Romans 6, 6, and 12. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. See, Paul didn't start with the do not. Paul started with what we do. We crucify ourselves with Christ. And when we do, what is crucified as well is our slavery to sin. That we must sin. That is no longer true. Without Christ, we have to sin. Job requirement. With Christ, nope. He wants us. He makes it possible. He gives us the power to triumph over functional gods, the sin in our life. A couple of questions. Who's ready to triumph? Over the enemy. Who's ready 
to triumph over the functional God that just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. Second question. Who's ready to help somebody else triumph? Who's ready to stand with somebody and get a little bit messy, get a little bit dirty? It's not easy. I think that's part of all of our problems. All of us, including me, just wants to invite somebody one time and they show up and they cry buckets of snot and they get saved. It's not going to happen that way. And that's not the way God intended it to happen. He intended it to happen for disciples to be made. That means we walk with somebody in their triumph. Who is ready to walk with somebody in their triumph? This is why the pray for three is so vital. These cards are out there. Just a simple way to remind yourself to pray for three people who need triumph over their life. And then guess what? Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Signs about about Jesus. And it's intended, we call it a harvesting season. It's intended for all of us to invite people who have questions about Jesus, who has doubts about Jesus, who is skeptical about Jesus, to say, no, no, just show up, just show up to see who this guy Jesus really is about. No, 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 I've tried that Jesus thing. No, you haven't. You haven't really tried it. You haven't found triumph. I'm sorry that the church stopped walking with you, but you haven't found triumph yet. Come with me. Let Jesus bring you triumph over the stuff that you can't win yourself. Starting next week. Next week. Who wants to lead people to no triumph? Because God wants every one of us to triumph over functional saviors. We're about ready to have a time of reflection. And those are the two questions I want you to ask yourself. Am I ready to triumph over functional God? And do I really want to lead somebody else and triumphing over the enemy. As we, as we close our eyes, kind of get in an attitude of prayer, I want those same two questions to kind of permeate what, what we're thinking about. And again, we want this to be a safe people. We want you to be honest. We want you to, 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 to know that we're going to pray for you. And raising your hand for these questions is simply just saying, please pray for me. Please pray for me. First of all, is there a functional Savior in your life that you're like, I need, I need victory. You know exactly what it is. You know, you know that you, 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 you just need victory. Somebody say, yeah, please pray for me about that. 
And secondly, I've got somebody in mind. I'm scared. I got nervousness about talking with him. Can you pray for me that he'll give us, give me the boldness? And as I pray, I move back there to the back. I'll be back there. Shelly will be back there. And if you want to make it move beyond raising of the hand to pray for you too, here's what I want you to pray for. Come back there. We're a safe people. I turn off my microphone. Nobody will know between me and you and you and Shelly. Or grab somebody else that you trust. So that they can help you find triumph over whatever is oppressing you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Move in people's life that you will continue to show us how great you are and how mighty you are to save and how you want to save other people through us. I pray, Lord, that you will do amazing things in people's life to bring triumph over the enemy. Let us be honest. Let us be safe. So that you can part the sea in front of us. Thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.